Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We are in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and this has been a very insightful and helpful book for us to consider our present condition, but realize that that then points us towards our need for God. King Solomon, for all of his unsurpassed wisdom, amazing riches, and power, found his existence at this stage of life vain and empty because he was qualifying them with all of the temporal worldly benchmarks that pass away. Last week, we had a brief respite from what has been a fairly pessimistic book as we looked at the need for worship and the need to take that seriously and show our devotion. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that on my podcast. Today, we are going to be in chapter seven, and we're going to do the first half of seven because this chapter has so much to unpack and so much to bless us. It's preceded by chapter 6, which talks about the persecution and opposition that can happen in our life. We're not always guaranteed vindication or reward for our behavior. Therefore, we have to be ready to stand amid difficulty and opposition, even in the face of doing the right thing. And so that sets up our Ecclesiastes chapter 7, which is going to take a look at wisdom and maturity and demonstrate the real qualities of a life well-lived. In fact, as we begin to read the first 14 verses, the subheading in my Bible says, The Contrast of Wisdom and Folly. Let's begin in verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that the wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, and in the day of adversity consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that the man may not find anything that will be after him. King Solomon is about to embark on some very countercultural teaching in this passage. He talks about the need for wisdom. Going back to verse 1, 
He talks about a good name being better than a precious ointment, which was very valuable at the time. Friend, how are we doing with that in our culture right now? I don't know that I see very many people trying very hard to have a good reputation. In fact, I believe that there's a tendency to pile on people with good reputations, to intimidate them or smear them when they're trying to do the right thing. It's easier to have a bad reputation. It's easier to go for the lowest common denominator in our public life and and almost a social peer pressure to not appear to be too good. And this is not the kind of good name that is just comes from self-promotion. This is the kind of good name that comes from a reputation of high trust, honor, integrity, and fidelity to the Bible. I believe right now fame is the main motivator of most people. When you look at recent polls, they're showing that most young people want to be an influencer more than anything else. Fame has taken over everything because in the information age, anyone can be famous. At any moment, a message could go viral or put someone on the map. And it is not lost on me that I'm talking about this while being on a media program. We understand that there are times when good content has to get to the masses. When fame is the only end goal, then it matters not to that person whether they gain their fame for being honest and having a good name or whether they play the role of the villain to attract more attention. You will attract more people on the internet in terms of the algorithms for negativity than you would for positive content. We're called in the face of this culture to speak truth and to model Christ-likeness in a culture that does not value that. And so King Solomon reminds us that our name, our reputation is important. My father used to say, son, I gave you that last name. Don't do anything with it that I wouldn't. It's important to remember that we are to live a life that will honor the gospel message, that will point towards Christ and be able to bless those around us through our conduct. And so it's important that we are not swayed so much by the vanity of wealth or the need for attention or just foolishness. We are called and made and designed for so much more. It's very important that we are faithful in our behavior and in our maturity. Solomon moves on to other countercultural statements that say the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. What a controversial statement. Many times funerals are incredibly somber and birthdays are incredibly festive. But in this, Solomon talks about what are we pointing towards? Where are our values and where is our hope? We live in a youth-oriented culture where everything is behind us and we get nostalgic about the good old days. We have to remember that we have a bright future to look forward to thanks to God's design and the hope of the gospel. For you see, when we're only looking at this life as the only thing that exists, then it is in rapid decay. But when you see the gospel for what it is, forgiveness, restoration, eternal life, that signals rebirth and a life ahead that waits for us that is going to be so much better than the one we've experienced so far. And so we have to make sure we're living our life in such a way that that death day or that funeral is a celebration of a life well lived, which goes in hand with having a good name and having a life that's worthy of a good party It says, better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. We are going to see a pivot with Solomon in this passage that talks about the need for maturity. Better mourning than feasting, better sorrow than laughter, and it's better to hear the rebuke of a wise man 
than hear the song of fools. I'm going to stay here for just a second because that is a message that needs to be heard in our current culture. Insincere flattery is pervading our media and pervading our life. And it is drawing us and taking us and leading us places that we don't need to go. Whether it's the amount of interaction that happens on our public profiles or whether or not it is the praise that can come from important people, we always need to view that through the lens of the gospel message and through our spiritual life. Because people will flatter you to win you to their side, whether it's good for you or not. We always prefer to hear flattery and affirmation than we do a stern rebuke. In fact, in this day and age, a rebuke is probably seen as something that could be considered bullying, abusive. And of course, I would never want to condone those kinds of things, but sometimes we have to tell the truth in love. And in my life, some of the best lessons I have received were times that someone cared enough about me and thought enough about me to expect more of me in certain circumstances and to let me know when I was letting them down. That kind of rebuke is the kind of thing that forges character. It brings a need for repentance and restoration. It causes us to grow in our faith. That is not something that is done easily. And that is why we have other believers and other important people in our life to hold us accountable because that is more easily accomplished with the help of others than it is by ourselves. There are no solo Christians. We need each other, whether in corporate worship or in our discipleship groups or our families. We need that extra self-awareness outside us to help us find our blind spots and to hold us accountable because that is something that is a benefit to ourselves and those who are also walking with us. Because as you hold someone accountable, so too are you reminded of that standard that helps us to live the life that God has created us to live. Just remember that you cannot grow amid flattery. Sometimes we need to hear the hard truth and embrace it with maturity. Let it strengthen our character and let it build us up into the person that God wants us to be. This kind of maturity and wisdom flies in the face of a culture where we pursue support and kindness and affirmation. And those are lovely things when they are sincerely given. But flattery happens when we're afraid to tell the truth, to hurt someone's feelings. And what it means is that we think less of that person, that they're unable to process that and that they are unable to live at a higher level. When someone shares an unpleasant truth with us, sometimes that is a compliment. Be careful of the song of fools, especially online, my friends, because it's easy to get drawn into meaningless conversations and chase metrics that really don't matter. The metrics that we get in Scripture help us to get an accurate view of ourselves, our conduct, our heart, and our eventual legacy. Which brings me to the last part, that the end is better than the beginning and that patience is better than pride. Patience is becoming a lost art in a instant gratification world. Everything we want is about youth, vitality, and again, that birth that was mentioned in scripture. But as we grow older, we learn patience, we learn contentment, and we learn to trust God for our validation and our purpose in life. And it's important that we are able to exude that patience 
and temper our pride. It's also important that we look forward to the end. I know that that is a controversial statement, but friend, if you are of faith, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian, then you need not fear the funeral. That funeral should be a celebration of a life well-lived, a name that means something positive, and something to help inspire those in attendance to continue in their journey of faith and live a life pleasing to God. Because that funeral represents the end of a temporal, worldly life of service to God, to be ushered into his presence and live eternally with Christ. And that is something to be celebrated when you see that as the end goal and not the worldly affirmations. It allows us to move forward with confidence, allows us to live faithfully, and it allows us to pursue God and let him define our purpose and meaning in life. Friend, we are out of time. Other aspects of this passage that I want to hit before we leave includes honoring the present better than the past and that wisdom is better than wealth. Friend, I pray for you today that you will experience wisdom, that God will grant you a special wisdom to understand how you can live your life in victory and in purpose amid a world of distraction. I pray that God will allow you to make a difference in the life of others and that your life will culminate in a celebration of your life where your name is one that inspires others that funeral celebrates you being ushered into the presence of Almighty God. We're out of time. I hope you can join me next week for the second half of chapter 7 of the book of Ecclesiastes, verses 15 through 39, where we'll talk about balanced living. It promises to be a great discussion, and I hope to see you then. Friend, I'm so glad you can join me today. I'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.